0: to one and all. And I I welcome you to Sunday morning service at Christ uh, Cypress Street. And uh, thank you so much that uh, this is a great blessing to have you here this morning. I'd like to open with a word of prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to, to come into your house this morning. Thanking you for the blessings of life and for All the things that you provide for us, we all invite the Holy Spirit to bless us this day and bless each one. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Uh, We'd like to welcome any visitor that we have uh, that uh, can, can fill out a card and give to one of the ushers in the back. And we'd like to thank each one for your giving to the church and for what it means to, uh, for the church to grow and for to be blessed. And God always said he liked uh, a chill forgiver. So uh, if you want to be happy, give more. <laughs> yeah. Well, so uh, tomorrow... Uh, we'll be serving lunch at Grace Place, and if you can come and volunteer, we have a sign-up sheet in the back. This Wednesday, we invite you to come and share with us in, uh, Bible study and children activities. Uh, also, Bryce will be here this next Wednesday, and to uh, have him to bless us, uh, the, ch- <coughs> the youth, the also, next Wednesday, come and uh, be prepared to be blessed by uh, Brother Dan. And also, at 3 o'clock next uh, Sunday, we'll be singing at the guest house. Also, uh, kind of uh, let you inform you, the fourth Sunday of August, we will be having a church-wide uh, church dinner. Third Sunday. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Uh, Third, Sunday, come and bring your appetite and then be prepared to be blessed and enjoy. We thank you for each one that is here and joining us singing this morning.
1: As we continue to praise Jesus in song, if you're able, let's stand. Jesus is a river of love.
0: music get you get to get you more to start paddling the boat (laughs) Uh, in our hymn book uh, 235 no greater love as the father has loved me so i love you now remind uh, and remain in my love if you obey my commandments you'll remain in my love just as I have obeyed my father's commandment and remained in his love. I have told this, that you, that joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is commanded. My command is this. Love each other as I love you. Greater love had no one than to lay down his life for his friend. You are my friend and whatever, uh, I command no longer call you servants, but because of servants, does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friend forever, and I have learned that from my father I have made you known to you. John 15, 9-15.
1: How deep the Father's love for us. <laughs> How deep the Father- I go to Children's Church.
0: You know, prayer, we take for granted that uh, we may go through a formality that uh, we may go (laughs) say our nighttime prayers of God lay me down to sleep and rest my soul to keep. But it is a very powerful thing. Talking to God and conveying uh, our needs to him and our wants, our desires. Our needs of our frame is that uh, are the things that weigh upon our hearts and our minds that we should start out each day and close each day that with talking to God and conveying what we how we feel and how we uh, love Him and how. Uh, Control our, not control, but to direct our paths in what we would go. Uh, in our uh, prayer needs is James Young, Barbara Smith, Pat Eats, Kaylee Nelson, uh, Nancy Boozer, Sandy Adams, Hunter Davis, and uh, this week. The temperature is going to be in double digits. each pray for each one for their safety that works outside that has a job that uh, takes them outside. If you have health issues, I want to pray that God will protect you, dear father we 're thankful for this opportunity to come to you and to bring our needs before you. We love you and we pray that you will direct our paths as we walk each day. The people that we meet along the way, that you will uh, help us to interact with them, uh, acknowledge them as being a human being, as one of your children. We're thankful for Brother Dan and for his ministry and for his pastoral. Here at Cypress Street. We're thankful for sending him our way that you have blessed us in so many ways with him and his family and his wife. We're thankful for the song uh, that we sing that has been penned through the years that are meant to bless us and to inspire us and to help us to go forward. We love you and we trust that you will. Uh, meet our needs be with each one in this heat this next week help us to be always be mindful of your love and for your protection in Jesus name I thank you amen
1: if you're able let's stand for our song right before the message think about his love we'll sing two times Yes. Think about his grace that's wrong.
2: of uh, Johnny Carson when he said I'm sure this is theologically correct said it's really hot outside to which the crowd says how hot is it it is really hot outside it's so hot that I saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walking down the street the other day. You all know who Shadrach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is. If you have trouble remembering their names, the little boy that went home from Sunday school learned about it and said it's, it's shake the bed, make the bed, and into bed we go. So if you remember that, you'll remember some theology there somewhere. It is warm. I know people don't want to get out in this weather. My wife is in Dallas, where I think it's hotter than it is here. She had a convention this weekend, and uh, so this is getting to be an old thing, you know. She took off a couple weeks ago, took off this week. She's going to be gone another couple weeks sometime. But I'll be here for you. Just want you to know that. I want you to know that I love you. And whether we're big or whether we're small, I love you because God loves you. Each and every one of you, God loves us all the same. I want to talk this morning about how can I know that I know him? How can I know that I know him? How do you know? And that's a question that we ask uh a lot of people ask today about anything you tell them. Well, how do you know? Well, some say, "Well, I went to the internet and I found it up on Wikipedia." Uh or somebody else, "Well, my 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 friend told me, my neighbor told me so." Well, this morning, you know, you know, we we've often in the uh world of Christianity, there's a lot of people that will call themselves a Christian and have no idea what it means to be a Christian. And this morning I want to read some scripture as the Apostle John writes to us. Conrad read one of the scriptures that Jesus spoke about. But here in our scripture this morning from 1 John chapter 2, and it's a rather lengthy portion of scripture, verse 3 through 17 and John is addressing a church that has, uh, ha, that has uh, taken in some of this philosophy of what a Christian is. They would call themselves Christians by name, but there was no actions to it. Let me read this this morning. Verse 3, chapter 2 of 1 John. By this we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, if y'all see that, if we keep his commandments, the one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments, he's a liar and the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes i am writing to you to you little children because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake i'm writing to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning i am writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one I have written to you, children, because you know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives They live how long? Forever. Forever. This is the word of God. Promises. This is one of the last of John's writings in his final days. This mature, old, original disciple of Jesus is now pulling together what he considers the evidence of Christianity itself. One of his emphasis is knowledge, as he uses the word know many times. He uses it at least seven times in this passage. And he's writing to a church that were known as, in those days, Gnostics. And Gnostics had two characteristics. They considered themselves more enlightened than others. And they also thought they had a spiritual inside track on spiritual superiority. Now that would not be any of us, I'm sure. But because of their enlightenment, they began to distort many of the doctrines and the teachings of the early church. And as a result, they began leaving the church because their understanding was so far superior what they can learn from a church. And adding to this, they began to influence others into buying into their teachings. So John had to address this. Church, we have the same mentality today. You see, there's becoming in our culture a new understanding among believers that the word of God is inadequate for our culture. A recent study revealed that only about 20% of believers saw their need to be in church. Barna also discovered that many believers did not take the word of God literally. The Bible doesn't mean what it says they would say. Our culture is in a new discovery. Of what God meant when he gave us the word of God. And that it was just a few people that actually wrote the words of the Bible. And it could be interpreted any way we decide. This was the group that John was addressing in our text. And it sounds to me like it's our culture today. I ran across this the other day as I was preparing... Someone wrote it, don't know who wrote it, it's anonymous. It says this, first we overlook evil. Then we permit evil. Then we legalize evil. Then we promote evil. Then we celebrate evil then we persecute those who still call it evil. The prophet Isaiah in the fifth chapter says, woe unto them who call evil good and good evil. As I compare our culture today to the culture of John's time, there are so many similarities. I'm going to pick up in verse 3. Interestingly enough, John did not say, by this do we believe that we are Christians. Or by this do we hope we are Christians. Now John states, by this we know that we have come to know him. It means there is a personal, intimate knowledge of god that is available to christ followers john is chastising the, the gnostics and perhaps the members of our culture today that we are receiving as deceptive teaching that has gone astray and the word of god has been muddied The church has been been thrown into the mix of the rest of the world. John says, by this, and he's going to address this, by this we know that we have come to know him. I want to ask you, do you truly know him this morning? By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments. He says they're liars and the truth is not in them. John is making the rubber meet the road in this early church that he's writing to. And he also lays it out for us today. Hundreds of years later, The sin is still sin, and God's commandments are still true today. And his word is pure. And if we know him, our attempt to please him and to obey his commandments will be a part of each and every one of us. There were some believers who said, I know him. But they didn't bear out the life of a believer. But whosoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. And by this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought also to walk in the same manner as Jesus walked. John gives us two evidences of being a true believer. And this is for us today. Don't let us fall into the new woke philosophy. People are just uh, coming up with different words all the time to describe this and that. And we don't know exactly what it means. But let's go back to the good old time relationship of the early church. If it was good enough for them, it ought to be good enough for us. Amen. Two evidences of being a true believer as mentioned in this scripture. The number one was obedience. That's a word we don't like today. We don't want to be answerable to anybody. Kids don't want to be answerable to their parents, do they? Parents don't like to be answerable to their parents. It's a matter of we have lost respect for those that have brought us into this world. My mother said, I brought you into this world and I can take you out of this world. (laughs) you got taken out once didn't you and brought back (laughs) John says throughout verses 3 through 6 that if we really know him we will obey him we've come to know him if we are keeping present tense are keeping I believe the person That wants to follow Jesus is keeping his commandments. It expresses an idea of continual obedience. It's not something for Sundays, and it's not just something for Wednesdays, but it's something for 24 7 a continually abiding in him. And our obedience is one of the evidences that we really know God. If we keep his commandments, if not, John says, you're a liar. The truth is not in you. We cannot say we're a Christian and not keep his commandments. John is not saying we can know God by attempting to keep his commandments For if we could only know God by attempting to keep his commandments, then our salvation would be of works and not grace. But John is working towards the premise that we already know him. He says we don't know him by keeping his commandments, but if we know him, we will keep his commandments. There's a difference. A difference in knowing his commandments and keeping his commandments. We're not saved by anything that we do. We're not saved by our goodness. Although we'd like to be because we've got good people here. Just bundle y'all up and take you to heaven with me. Every one of you. That's not the way it works. We're not saved by climbing the ladder a prestige and being the success in life. That's not how we, that's not how we become a Christian either. John does not say that if we keep his commandments, we'll know him, but obedience is the evidence of our salvation, not the way we achieve our salvation. Now I want to take this a step farther that John is not saying we will never struggle with disobedience again. He's not saying that we won't disobey Christ. For verse one and two, which we did not read, simply says that it is God's will that we don't sin. But if we do, by grace, we have an advocate and his name is Jesus. What he is saying is that our pattern of life should be that of obeying God. If we really know him, we will not only obey him, but we will have a heart's desire to obey him. Do we love God so much that we want to obey him? Somebody say amen. Amen. Wake you guys up. We're gonna sing the river of life or something like that again. And to sing the trees of the field, we'll clap their hands. I want you to follow along with me because this is a very important word from God this morning. Charles Spurgeon Perhaps one of the greatest preachers of all times in the 1800s. He said, quote, An unchanged life is the sign of an uncleansed heart. Unquote. And I believe that. If we continue to sin, Paul says in John, uh, Romans chapter 6, What can I say then? Do we continue in sin? and then expect grace to abound? God forbid that's not the way that it works. But if we love God, we have a desire to please him. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I wanted to please my mom and dad. Now, I maybe did not want to please my mom and dad in my earlier age, but as I grew, I found out that it was favorable for me if I would obey mom and dad. Someone says, uh, a little kid said to his other buddy, he said, I have figured out a way to get along with my mother. I do what she tells me to do. And that not only works good for kids and parents, but it works good for our relationship with God. You know, I guarantee you that if what God tells you to do, your relationship with with him will increase many times over. Some people say, yeah, I want to walk with God. I want to move up. I want to get closer to God. And we sing songs these days that are very passionate and heartfelt about getting close to God. But our heart has not been changed. And we find it sometimes very hard to please God, to do His commandments. And we have this kind of wrestling match within us. There's a rule of law that our country was founded on. Let's say they say our country is is governed by a rule of law. Now, in courts and many times through hundreds of years, now we have got this idea is that the law is not what the law says, but it's what we think the law says. And, and suit after suit goes before courts. And we have a tendency to want to make exceptions for the law and change the law and The way that it is. And then when a court comes down and says, no, that's not what the law says. Everybody gets mad. And this thought about making exceptions to the the rule of law is literally destroying our countries, our families, and our people. God's law is God's law. And there is no exceptions. Exceptions. We've tried to put those exceptions into God's commandments today. And you see where it's gotten us as churches, as individuals. There is no exceptions to God's commandments. If we love God, if we really know Him, we will obey His commandments. Well, the second evidence of being a true believer is this is one we all like to talk about. Our love one for another. Love one for another. Jesus, excuse me, John is known as the disciple of love. Uh, there's a little course. I don't know if we know it here or not, but it goes something like this. Well, I love you with the love of the Lord. Yes, I love you with the love of the Lord. I can see in you the glory of my king. And I love you with the love of the Lord. Do we know that song? Do we know that chorus? Well, I'm going to teach it to you one of these days. Because you know what? We ought to be able to say as we look at each other. And we're all different. But to realize because of my relationship with Jesus Christ, I love you. I love you. I don't care who you are, what you've done, where you come from. I love you with the love of the Lord. Because I look at you and I see the glory of my king. And I love you with the love of the Lord. That's the attitude. When we love God and when we can love each other and know him, that's what we can say about each and every one of us. All the squabbles that ever come to churches... And you know, thank God, I come here, I I haven't gotten any good squabbles yet. Uh, No, don't start in. But I haven't had any good squabbles. And uh, no, I don't want my phone ringing tomorrow. Uh, But there is a thing about, I, I believe we love each other. And we are attempting for the good on each other. Every one of you, I want good things. I'm not wishing bad on any of you this morning. Aren't you glad? Wouldn't make a bit of difference. But I wish good on you. I want to see your lives excel. To accomplish those things that God called you to accomplish when he made you. I believe there's so much potential in each one of our lives, even though we may be aged or if we're even younger as a teenager or so, I believe that there is so much potential that is in us. I believe there's so much potential in this congregation as we gather that potential and knowing God together and loving one another. That's how you build the kingdom of God. John says verse seven and eight, Beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you because Jesus already told me a new commandment I give you to love one another. But I'm giving you an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. I'm not telling you anything new about it. Then he goes on. He says, on the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment. That's kind of intriguing as I read this again this week. He gives us, says we know the old commandment. And then he says he's going to give us a new commandment. And Jesus gave it a new commandment. Then I'm taken back to the words of Jesus. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the old. But I came to fulfill in the new. And the fulfillment of our obedience to the Old Testament commandments is loving one another. What he is saying is the Old Testament commands us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and strength. And the church that John is addressing already knew that. But Jesus' commandment goes so much further. And the problem lies in the difficulty of loving our neighbors as ourselves, doesn't it? By the time of John's old age, the church had reduced this commandment to basically, like we've done today, love those who are lovable and everybody else you can hate. And that is the philosophy of many people in our world today. As Christians, as followers of of Christ, we, we can't hate anybody. Now, we can hate some deeds, But we don't hate the individual because they are creation as God has made them. When Jesus told us the story of the Good Samaritan, the bottom line was our neighbor might be the person they culturally, socially, economically despised, or they had nothing in common with. The Good Samaritan showed us, that this man, this Samaritan, this person that was despised by the Jewish people, they were mixed. They had, the Samaritans were people that had crossed cultural lines and they had intermarried with other people that weren't Jewish. And the Jewish people, they would not go through Samaria at all. But here this Samaritan sees this man in the ditch that he neither knows and other people have pushed him to the side not having time for him and this good Samaritan, a man that was despised looked over and had mercy and compassion on this guy in the ditch. Jesus tells us that's what kind of love it is to love one another. To love those perhaps you don't even know by name. You know, it's more difficult to love others as Christ loves them. If it's bad enough to just love your neighbor and cross all boundaries, now we have to love one another as I loved you, Jesus said. Let me ask you this morning, do you love other people as Christ loves the church? How much did Jesus love the church? Well, Jesus gave his life for his church, for his people. Jesus gave his life. What greater love could we have for one another? Scripturally, there is not room in a Christian's heart to hate people of any kind. There's no room in a Christian's heart to harbor bitterness, anger, Jealousy, envy, or strife. And if we, like the, if we have these kind of problems, we're living very far below our privileges as Christians. I used to have a mentality, if somebody didn't like me, I don't like them. Anybody here like that? I mean, Don't hold her hands up. (laughs) But I found out that when you hold bitterness, unforgiveness towards others, you're not hurting the other people at all. You're not hurting the other person. You know what it hurts? It hurts you. Because you're the one that bears the grudge, you're the, the one that bears the ill feeling. When we bear grudges and unforgiveness and jealousy, it's what happens in you. We must learn to keep short accounts. Love people. Overlook. Forgive. Turn the other cheek. Now, some of you think that's kind of stupid, turn the other cheek. Jesus said, hey, if somebody comes up and slaps you on one side, turn the other side. This is a a true story. My aunt, Clara... When her and my mother was growing up in a family of eight, they got into a disagreement, and my mother, my godly mother, turned and slabbed my aunt in the face. Now do you have to know my Aunt Clara? She's so so humble. And couldn't believe it happened, and she turned to my mother and said, put one there too. You see, she'd been taught by her mother the scripture. And sometimes that's what we as Christians have to do. When somebody doesn't do you right, don't take it personally. Just do them better instead. The moment we begin to allow hatred to become part of our life and our agendas, we'll always end up the loser in the deal. we know the commandment but what we need to get rid of is all the exceptions tearing down the fences there are no exceptions to the key to the door to heaven did you know that? there's only one way to heaven and that's through Jesus Christ allowing him to be lived out in our life That we may be a pattern to others, and that we may be an example that others would see the Father's love in us. Now, in verse 12 through 14, John addresses three groups of Christians. Uh, He calls them like we may do that today. He calls some children, some young men, and some fathers. And he's talking about the three different stages of spiritual development as a Christian. The first stage is the new Christian. An acknowledgement that their sins are forgiven. Anybody here want to acknowledge that? Amen. Anybody experience that here? Amen. The second stage then as as we grow in love with Jesus is realizing and utilizing understand the work of the Holy Spirit to empower us to overcome evil when it accosts you now there are some that say sin you may, sin you must if you don't you'll surely bust that's not in the book but it's that we be overcomers of sin and that when we are tempted, we know where to turn. We turn to the Holy Spirit's power in this to be overcomers of sin, that we do not have to live in sin. We can be overcomers of sin. Now, I want you to know that that overcoming sin is not in our own strength because I think sometimes we're all tempted there. But it's how we escape that temptation. Get thee behind me, Satan. And allowing the Holy Spirit to empower us to say no, Satan. How long has it been since you've said no to Satan? Don't raise your hand. I believe the one that is striving to know Christ and to move closer to him in knowing him Satan is working all that much harder on you this morning and on us. The third stage that John uses here is the father who represents the mature Christian that others may look up to and know that you really know him. In my first pastorate, I was put out away. I mean, I was out in the in the in the uh, middle of the orange groves down in Florida. It was an isolated place. There were people there that did not speak my language. They were the workers in the orange groves. I really did not know how to communicate many times. But I had a gentleman that pastored, uh, a seasoned, seasoned minister that pastored about 50 miles from me. And his name was Bob Hurd. Probably none of you have heard of him. I don't think he was down in this area. But he pastored down in Florida. And one day he called me up out of the clear blue after I'd been there. Keep in mind I'm only 22 years old. I don't know nothing. I'm green. He says, hey, I just thought I'd come over and have lunch with you a little bit. And time uh, to try, try, try to encourage you, he said, "I know." And he came down and took me out for lunch. We had a long visit that afternoon, and I, I, I came to know Bob Heard as a, a mentoring spiritual father. because he took me under his wing. He took me on some trips that the stories of those trips will stay there. But we had some enjoyable times he 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 cared for me and he showed me and gave me some spiritual wisdom on on the way things that god the way that god looked at things and my situation and and, and he walked with me for another 40 years before he passed on it's ironic that i pastored a church that he pastored and people had so many high thoughts about his pastor and i thought ah oh, bob did it That's the kind of pastor I want to be because I knew that he knew God and he walked with God. I uh, think that this is a good reminder to us today that the word of God means what it says. It was inspired by men who listened to God because they knew him. And this scripture reminds us that the proof of really knowing God is by our obedience to his word and our love for one another. And if needed love for our enemies. I had a parishioner in Mobile, Alabama that uh, was an older gentleman at that time. I thought he was an older guy. He was in his 50s. Of course, I was in my 20s so he was an older man. And um, he used to tell me about the things he knew. He was all about passing on his wisdom and his experience to everybody else he knew. And he would say this, as I, if I heard it once, I heard it a hundred times. He'd say, Brother Dan, you may think that you know and others may think they know. And books and teachers may think they know, but let me tell you that I know, that I know, that I know I'm right. I, I've never had a man with more firm conviction on the things that he would tell me. And I want you to know that I am so glad that I know, that I know, that I know, that I know Jesus Christ this morning because I have a doorway to heaven. I have a doorway to eternal life. Are you this morning? It's not a, do you hear people, well, I hope I make it to heaven. I I think so, I'm going to make it. Or I imagine so. But I want to ask you this morning, do you know that you know that you know that you know that you know, down deep in your knower, that you really know him? Because when we personally know him, we will obey his commandments and we will love one another as he has loved the church. John finishes this passage in verse 17. The world is passing away. I give it to you this morning. The world is passing away and also it's lusts. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. Children, young men and women, old men and young and old women, wherever you consider, let's love one another. Because that's the evidence that we know God. Would you stand with me this morning? Heavenly Father we thank you so much for your great love that you have extended towards us while we were yet sinners you died for us we didn't deserve your death you took all of our sins and you put them on that cross and you took them to the grave with you that as you rose from the grave, you rose to new life to implant that new life in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Possibly there's a, some this morning that says, You know, I've been calling myself a Christian for all these years, but I really don't know God. Through the power of the Holy Spirit this morning, come and implant that conviction of obeying your commandments and loving one another. Teach us how to love one another. Teach us how to care for one another. Every person in this congregation is so valuable to you. And how you want to use us all for your glory. And how you want to raise up this church for the cause of the kingdom. We simply let us be obedient to you and cause us to love one another in jesus name amen I'm gonna sing this old song of the church i don't know how long it's been since you have sang it i had, it's been a long time since i've sang it i was looking up in the hymn book the other day and i said how how do i need to end this service There's a song that says, blessed be the tie that binds. Talks about our love one for another. And I've selected four verses because each one of these verses are important. It fits into this message real well. I want you to take it this morning as a commitment. A commitment to the church, a commitment to your brothers and sisters in Christ this morning as we sing.